Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up, and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and I am with JLD, John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneurs on Fire. How are you, sir? Rob, I am fired up to be here. Thanks for having me. To everybody who's tuning in live, uh, welcome, welcome from Puerto Rico. Hi, is that where you live? Been here for four and a half years, and I'll tell you what, Rob, it is amazing to be able to keep the money you make. And that's what happens when you move to this tax paradise. <laughs> well, anyway, we don't want the IRS after you, so we won't discuss that. <laughs> the IRS knows all about it. That's why it's the beautiful thing. It's an American territory. The IRS can't touch me. Life is good. Uh, you, you look like you're living the dream. Big time. Big time. Cool. So we were just chatting before. 3,000 podcast episodes of Entrepreneur on Fire. I mean, that is, what can I even say to that? Well, you know, it honestly just started with an idea back in 2012. I said, you know what? I am really getting inspired by listening to these podcasts that are interviewing successful entrepreneurs. Like I'm really being inspired by them. I'm going to go find the daily podcast that's interviewing entrepreneurs so I can wake up every morning. And it's going to be the first thing that I listen to. And like, that was my only intention was to go find a daily podcast that was interviewing entrepreneurs. And Rob, when I went to find that show, it did not exist. So I said, right. you know what? Why not follow Gandhi's footsteps and be the change you want to see in the world? Yeah. So I said, I'm going to launch the first ever daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. And Rob, the day that I launched back in 2012, it was the best daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs on Fire was the worst daily podcast interview. <laughs> I was the only daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. I was the only game in town. I was like, for those of you that remember Blockbuster's heyday back in the 90s, if you were going to go rent a movie, there was only one place to go. So the fact that I was a bad host, which I wasn't a good host, um, didn't matter because number one, I brought on good guests. So that helped like making the show decent. And number two, there was no other place to go. So like just because of that being the only I was able to build this now media empire eight years later with 3,000 episodes, over 100 million listens, um, currently getting over 1.4 million listens every single month. And that's just been our passion is just delivering free, valuable, consistent content through the podcast. And uh, it's been quite a journey. Wow. So we're going to talk all things podcast, but we're also going to talk all things brand or knock on um, sort of benefits like moving to Puerto Rico um, and living the dream. So you interviewed me way back and it was early, an early episode. I think it must have been 2016. Yeah, I was um, about, you know, 1500 episodes by then. Right. Yeah. In early days. So <laughs> let, me ask, let me ask you the first question, which I probably couldn't ask to most people is how do you keep up massive consistency? Because one episode a week, hard enough for most people. One episode a day, that is, that's relentless consistency. It's relentless. One thing, though, about 
like the human being that I do believe is that when we see that there's only one way, then everything else just kind of blackens out and we just can only see that one path. And for me, I honestly knew, I honestly knew this in my heart of hearts, the only way I was going to succeed in the podcasting space and just in the media space in general was to be the first and only daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. I needed that unique advantage because again, I wasn't going to be even close to the best host, you know, for the first couple thousand episodes. I wasn't going to be even close to like the most highly produced, like the best interviewer, the best this. I wasn't none of that. So I had to have at least one unique advantage. And that was the only one I could honestly see myself getting and gaining. And the reality was I knew Rob, the only way I was actually going to get good was by putting in the reps and doing a daily podcast. And for 2,000 days in a row, I did a seven-day-a-week podcast. So I did a podcast every day for 2,000 days. That's five and a half years. I then stepped back, and now I'm doing five episodes per week. So I kind of feel like a slacker right now. But you know, uh, I'm kind of like going into the twilight year, so to speak. But no, I'm still cranking out five episodes per week, which is pretty baller. In fact, I'm still doing sometimes bonus episodes like on Saturdays and Sundays. And Kate's like, you can't get away from this seven day a week show thing. I'm like, ah, you know, I just feel like I have a lot to say and a lot to share. But that was my unique advantage. Like, and I feel like that's one thing that everybody watching and listening to this need to really, really think about. Like, what is your unique advantage in whatever it is that you're doing in this world? And if honestly, you don't have something that just like snaps to you right away, then you don't have a unique advantage. And you have to say, how can I craft one? Because when I started, I hired a mentor. Jamie Masters, she was a, a fantastic business podcast coach. And then I hired, uh, I joined a mastermind, Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man. They were both at the top level of the podcast world and they both told me it couldn't be done. But Rob, instead of me being like, oh, they must be right, I said, that's exciting. Because if the best people in my space say that this can't be done and I figure out a way to do it, there's the opportunity because there's a quote I want to leave people with right now before we, you know, continue this conversation, which is, the higher the barrier, the lower the competition. Like, really think about that. The higher the barrier, the lower the competition. And man, a seven day a week podcast is a super duper high barrier. So, guess what? I had almost no competition. Over the years, there's been a few daily podcasts that have launched, but they haven't been able to, to go much more than 50 or 100 episodes. And they just kind of peter out because they just can't keep it up for any number of reasons. And I get it because it's flipping hard, bro. Mm. But the reality is, my barrier is so high. My competition was so low. And I was able to maintain my status as the only game in town for a really long time. Love it. Love it. And I want to get into in a moment. You know, the, the knock on side vicarious benefits of podcasting, because, you know, meeting millionaires and billionaires and superstars and great friends and multiple income streams and all those things, they actually are there on the table. Now, I feel like a podcast newbie. I've only done 615 episodes. You're in the, Normally top, when I've... You're in the top 1% though. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you something that hopefully you've not been asked before, and that is. What does someone with your vast experience in podcasting know that other podcasters does not know? That you need to niche your face off. All, almost every other podcaster, like 99.7%, they feel like the wider they cast their nets, 
the more fish they're going to catch. And guess what? That does work in the ocean sometimes, but it does not work in the podcasting game. So every podcaster and their mother, brother, and sister, and believe me, I know this because I run the biggest podcasting community in the world, Podcasters Paradise. We have over 6,000 members. We've been running it since 2013. We're on our eighth year now of crushing that community. And we see this. Every time somebody joins our community, they're like, hey, I want to launch a podcast that inspires the world. And I'm like, well, good luck with that because everybody and their brother and mother want to do just that. So you're going to get lost in the wind. You're going to be like that girl screaming into the wind that nobody can hear because you're getting drowned out by all the noise in the world. What the 0.3% of podcasters know is, hey, if I can just create a super niche specific podcast that is the best solution to one real problem in this world, I will win. And I will get the raving fans there. I will be able to serve them at a such an amazing and high level. I'll be able to offer them high tickets offers like courses, masterminds, coaching. That's actually going to be allow me to generate revenue, you know, not getting pennies, you know, for my sponsorship revenue that most people think is like the golden egg of podcasting, which very, very few people make money at all through podcast sponsorships. I'm not saying it can't be done. I make approximately $75,000 a month with sponsorship. So it can be done, but it's not the norm. And you need to know that. And it comes, you know, over time. So serving the niche, niching your face off literally until you're just the best solution. You know, like I think the sh- why isn't there a podcast right now about like, you know, how to cure sleep apnea? Like that's the only thing the podcast should be. And that just literally came off the top of my head because I was watching a, 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 a podcast earlier about sleep apnea and how vitamin D can help it and blah, blah, blah. And like so many people suffer from sleep apnea. And guess what? Like they don't want to sift through all these like broad health podcast for this like one episode on sleep apnea. They want one show dedicated to nothing but that. And now as a host, you're able to set you're able to be an affiliate for mattresses, for supplements, for cooling pads, for <laughs> you know, blind out shades. I mean, the list goes on and it's just, you know, breathing apparatuses on your I mean, come on, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I must admit, I've listened to some great podcasts for some people I'm real fans of. And then you get three adverts in a row for mattresses and things like that when they're in the business space. And you're like, are they selling out? So I I hear you on that one. Now, $75,000 a month revenue from your, you know, your podcast sponsorships. That's amazing. We're going to come to that in a moment. But you are one of the now I'm trying to get up to date with my Americanisms here, JLD, because I'm building my brand in America. So what is it we call you? The OG? You are the OG, the original, one of the original gangsters of podcasting. So That's how pretty is podcasting? I will say that is a totally Americanism there. Um, what's funny, though, is that when I launched my podcast in 2012, you know, there were OGs. So it's like, you know, I may be <laughs> like kind of the, the new wave of OGs, or maybe I've just kind of blended in to the older OGs since I've launched, but uh, I'll take yeah. it either way. Cool. Baller. You're a baller. All right. So <laughs> how has podcasting changed since podcast 1.0, you know, since old school podcasting back in the day? Because I guess you're the bridge between, because when you were a fan of podcasts, that was probably podcasting 1.0. Um, and, and now, of course, in 2021 and beyond, podcasting's a m- bit more mainstream. Has it changed? The podcasters have arrived. And that word means professional podcasters. Come. Back in 2012, man, there was no professional podcasters. There was people like me 
in a bedroom with a microphone, just doing our thing, getting hundreds of thousands of listens, you know, not deserving them, but it was just that kind of game. Um, and now forget about it. It's just professionals have come in, real money has come in, like venture money has come in, you mm. know, Media was bought by Spotify for 233 million. Pandora's in the podcasting game. Wondery was just bought by Amazon. Google's going all in. Apple's going all in. It's just like so much money is pouring into the podcasting game. So many people, they used to be like either in the radio space or just some kind of media space, even like celebrities, by the way, they used to be in movies that now like they can't be in movies because of COVID. Like they're turning to this podcasting genre. And it's just, bro the professionals are here. So if you're going to just launch a podcast with this vague, broad topic about who knows what, or about just like, I'm going to interview entrepreneurs about being an entrepreneur, or, you know, I'm going to interview health people about being healthy. It's like you and a million other people. And like, guess what? There's a show that does that. It's called Entrepreneurs on Fire. And I hate to say it, but like, you're probably not going to be as good as my show when you start. Because like, if I launched Entrepreneurs on Fire today, it fails period. End of story. The reason why I won and I'm winning still today is because I had first mover advantage. I built a moat around my business. I've built up a real brand. And I've also got chops now because I've done over 3,000 of these. I've if you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. put in the flipping reps over and over again. I went from terrible to whatever you want to classify me as today, you know, like whatever that might be. And it took a lot of time and a lot of effort. And so again, it's just really just going back to like, if I was going to launch a podcast today, and this is kind of also answering the question of how it's changed, I would go so niche, like super niche. I would just try to become the single best solution for a single significant problem in this world. And that's it. Because you're not going to be able to compete with the money and the venture uh, capital and the professionals and the studios and the post-production and the editing. And you shouldn't want to compete with that anyways, because that's just not the game that we should be playing. Mm. Like I still edit all of my podcasts. It's me interviewing somebody, editing my show, putting it up there. My team is myself, Kate, my fiance, and three virtual assistants. Literally, that is it. And that's why when we make $200,000, we net $160,000 every single month. Like it's not, those aren't the same numbers every month, but like those percentages are similar every single month as far as like what our net profit is. Because we are lean, we are mean, we keep the money we make, we have a small but mighty team. 
Um, we don't pay uh, uh, obnoxious taxes. We pay a flat 4% tax in Puerto Rico and life is good. Living the dream. Living the dream. <laughs> Hi, it's Rob here interrupting you with something you may not know about me. I was one of the few people on the planet hand-selected by Facebook to pilot their new supporter program. It's a very small premium model where you can get exclusive content and advance notice or discount of new products and services. So this is what I've done for you. Not only can you get best discounts for any training that we might run, not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a, a deeper community. I do supporter only ask me anything. I do supporter only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,500 supporters and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those. I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world. Find me a better one, but I don't think you will. So the link is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. I believe the gap between free content and paid content is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of free content out there that's maybe not that good. And for just a few dollars a month, you can get the best content on business, on entrepreneurship, on starting up, on scaling up, on sales, on marketing, on the mindset of being an entrepreneur. So go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R right now. Cool. So it's definitely going to get to the money bit because, you know, everyone wants to talk about the money bit. Um, but how have you leveraged the podcast in other areas of your life? So let me give you some examples. Maybe you've met some cool people. Maybe you've made some good connections. Maybe you've created some business partnerships. You know, maybe you've um, got some big brands, um, you know, connected to you. Um, how has podcasting transmuted out and improved other areas of your life? transmuted that must be a, a a british word i guess but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll drive forward there but uh honestly like i believe in this quote a hundred percent that your network is your net worth and so for me it's been so true it's just like i've recognized that man the people that i hang out with and surround myself with and have the ability to have conversations with like that is the reason why i've been able to take my business to such a high level for instance I know we're going to be talking about this a little bit later, but I'm launching my first traditionally published book, The Common Path to Uncommon Success. is coming out in a couple months here in March. And I was able to get on a private 45-minute call for free, just a conversation like this with Seth Godin, you know, New York Times bestselling author, multiple like business bestseller, like all the things, and just have a conversation with him because I have a relationship with him because he's part of my network because of what I've built with Entrepreneurs on Fire. Like when he launched his book, I had him on my show. I promoted his book and he's grateful for that. And we built up a network together. And like that is so critical. And that's one of the major reasons, by the way, why I end every single one of my podcast episodes with... All right, Fire Nation, you've been hanging out with Rob and JLD, and you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So keep up that heat. And then boom, I go off into the rest of the outro because you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And if your five sucks or if one or two of your top five suck, that's dragging your average down. And you got to kick those people to the curb quick. Amen to that. Great. So... um Let's talk about the money then on the podcast because you drop those numbers, which are, you know, they're big numbers just for, you know, essentially talking to really interesting people. 
uh, and having a really small lean, lean team and living somewhere sunny. So, you know, you are living the dream. So <laughs> what, what different ways do you monetize your podcast? Do you do ad sponsorships? Do you have anything like Patreon or a premium? You know, there's so many different ways. Um, yeah, let's start talking about that. No Patreon. Um, but then I'll, I'll uh, get a little deeper now. So um, for 88 months in a row now, 88 months, we have published a monthly income report on Entrepreneurs on Fire. So over at eofire.com, you'll go to our website, you'll see this ticker symbol in the upper right-hand corner, and it just goes, and it will count up to whatever our gross revenue was for the previous month. And then if you click on that, that will take you to our income report page where it will show you a detailed um, income report for that month, also with the past 88 months of income reports that we've done. It's one of the things that we spend a lot of time with. We think it's a great value for our audience to show Fire Nation, our listeners, our audience, how exactly the pudding is made, like how every dollar comes into our business, how every dollar goes out of our business, our expenses, um, you know, our ad budgets, like what we have for SaaS products for services, you know, our CRM costs, all these different things, all down to the penny, then showing our net revenue. And one thing that I'm really proud of, again, is, you know, gross revenue is one thing. You can hear a lot of companies be like, we did $5 million in gross revenue last year. Then you're like, oh, what was your profits? Oh, we actually lost money. But, you know, and it's like, well, anybody can spend $6 million and make five. I mean, it's not hard. What is hard is really keeping the money you make. And that's one thing that we're really proud of at Entrepreneurs on Fire is we have an average of over 80% of a net profit, which every month we give that exact number. We've had two months over 90%, but usually we're more in the 75 to 85% range of our net profit percentage to gross revenue. And that's so key. And that's such, it's the lifeblood of your business. It's how much actual money are you able to put into the bank after you're done each month so that you can then invest in yourself, invest in other things, of course, live life and invest in your future with you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, Bitcoin, whatever you're going to be doing, whatever that looks like. And like how much like money do you actually have to build that lifestyle, location, and financial freedom that I know you want? And by you, I mean every single person wants lifestyle freedom. Now, what does that look like for you? It's going to be different for Rob and for me and for you. But lifestyle freedom is what you want. The freedom to live your life on your terms, doing what you want, helping the causes you want, going to the places you want, et cetera, et cetera. So with us, we're passionate about our income reports because we know that they help so many people. You know, There's been some people over the years that have done them for a little while and then kind of dropped off doing them because it's hard to A, kind of keep making money um, over time because businesses change and things adjust and the economy shifts, et cetera. But that's one thing that I'm really proud about is for all of those 88 months so far, we'll have we'll have a, a drop at some point, I'm sure. And I hope it's just a little blip, but it's not in the, in the foreseeable future. But um, we've we've netted over a hundred thousand dollars a month. That means I'm I'm taking a hundred thousand dollars in my is going into my bank account at a minimum every single month or more. Um, so that's one thing that we focus on is how do you run a lean, profitable business? A lot of ways that we monetize sponsorships on the podcast. You know, a lot of people see that because we have big numbers on that, 60,000, 75,000. We made over we've made over $100,000 just in sponsorships alone on uh, prior months and that's just, you know, where we're at with 1.4 million listens. You know, we're at the top 1% of 1% for overall listens for the show. So that makes sense for us, but we really make sure to be vocal with people that come into podcast with Paradise specifically is like, "Hey, 
that is something that's way down the road for you and may never happen for you. So you need to find other ways to monetize. And, and in my opinion, there's a lot better ways to monetize than sponsorships. Like another way that we monetize is through affiliate income. So like we'll promote other people's products and services, um, whether they're launching a course or you know a mastermind or this or that, and then we'll get commissions on that. Um, we have our own products and services. You know, I have the Freedom Journal, the Mastery Journal, the Podcast Journal, three physical journals that I've created over the years um, that you know have made us you know over a million dollars in sales by selling these journals over the years. They're on Amazon. They're at our Shopify store. We have online courses. You know, I have Podcasters Paris, which I mentioned a few times. We've done other courses in the past, like courses on webinars that we called the Webinar on Fire that we ran for like four or five years that we have since shut down. I've done multiple masterminds. One of them was Fire Nation Elite. Another one was the Revenue Crew, where like I'd have these longer term masterminds where people would get together with me on an ongoing basis and we would you know, have their business. We'd throw many events down here in Puerto Rico, have people come down here for a three-day event weekends. Um, you know, you typically we keep it to like 10 people, but these are high, high ticket items at $7,500 per, per person. So boom, $75,000 like for that weekend with those 10 people. Of course, there's expenses to go into that, et cetera. Um, we have, um, I said sponsorships, I said affiliates, uh, courses, free stuff. Um, those are the majority of things. And again, you can go to eofire.com slash income and see all the different ways. Cause there'll be like one or two or three things per month that'll be there. That's, you know, will be an income stream for us for that month, but then we'll go away for different reasons because, you know, it's just, we, we promoted it that month or we didn't or whatever it might be. But the big thing I want to leave people with before I hand it back over to you, Rob, on this specific topic is when you're looking to monetize, there should only be one thought process going through your minds. What is the biggest struggle that my audience, and by my audience, I mean your audience, you should be asking yourself, what is the biggest struggle that my audience is currently experiencing that I can create a solution for? And then that solution is a product or a service or a mastermind or coaching or whatever that might be. That's how you're going to monetize. So a quick example of that, back in 2013, when I was asking myself that question, I was saying, well, my audience is struggling with starting their own podcast because they are inspired by entrepreneurs on fire. They want to start a podcast on health or on wealth or on you know music, but they don't know how. So how can I solve that, that struggle? I did it with a paid community. And now Podcast Paradise has made over $6 million you know, in the past eight years. So I mean, that's me creating a solution for a problem that has exponential returns. And so that is by far the best way to start your monetization journey. Love it. And a follow-on question from that, because you gave us an interesting insight at the start. Um, why no Patreon? To me, it's just not where I want to be spending my calls to action. I, I think you have very valuable calls to action for your audience. You're giving them free, valuable, and consistent content. And listen, I want to be building a real business. I don't feel like a real business is asking for people to donate their money um, to me. What I feel like a real business is, is an exchange of value, is me giving them something of real value um, for you know a, an actual um, return on that investment. Now, yes, you can make the argument of like, well, they're getting the, the, the content of my, of my show. And it's like, yes, they are. But you know, unless your show is like really, really unique and really, really, really special, they can get it anywhere else. So like, don't make that hinge upon being how you're making revenue. Like if you just have like the most unique show that's not out anywhere else, they can't get anywhere else. Hey, that's capitalism. Like that's supply and demand. 
like you can maybe have that, you know, that premium model or that Patreon opportunity to keep that show going. But if you're not really doing anything unique or special, which frankly, most people aren't, myself included, I'm just interviewing entrepreneurs too, um, you know, they can go elsewhere. You know, if you're, and if you aren't really, and I just don't really feel like you're building a real business that way. Because again, you should be thinking about how you can provide massive solutions to massive problems. That's how you're going to win. Like Elon Musk did not become the richest man in the world you know, by asking people to donate to whatever he was doing. Like he did it by making the best solution and the best electric car that's on the market, period. Okay, love it. So one thing I love about being a podcaster, um, and it's a little bit of a selfish element here, is you're not just giving amazing knowledge to your audience, you're picking it up yourself. Now, this is going to be a crude analogy, but if you like sex and you're a porn director, you get to see the action. And you and I as interviewers, JLD, we get to see the action. We're asking, you know, for our community members, but we we can drop in some selfish questions ourselves that we want tips from. You must have interviewed loads of millionaires, multimillionaires in all sorts of niches. So what are some cool things you've learned from your guests? Well, that is actually, frankly, why I wrote the book, The Common Path to Uncommon Success, is because I looked at my body of work over the past eight years, and I said, I have interviewed 3,000 successful entrepreneurs, and I've learned so much from them. And oh, by the way, I myself now have been a multi-million dollar per year successful entrepreneur earner for seven years in a row now. So like, I qualify in that category for sure. I have proven my cred in the business space as well, man, I think it's time to take that knowledge, to take that learning and to create what I believe is the 17-step roadmap to financial freedom and fulfillment. And so just to your point, like I've learned from every single one of those 3,000 interviews that I've done. When I had you back you know, in 2016 on my show, I learned something from you. I learned something from Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk, Seth Godin, Barbara Corcoran, Sally Hogshead, like the list goes on. I've learned something from every single one of my guests. You know, some of some of whom I've learned how to be a terrible guest because frankly they weren't great. It's not like I hit a home run every single time I interviewed one of my three thousand guests. But just quickly on that JLD, let me jump in. What makes a bad guest? I don't want any name shaming because that's not my style. But what makes a bad guest? Somebody that just you know has one agenda. Like they just get on and they just have the same words that they use on every single show. And they this kind of like, I call it the click whir, where it's just like, they just click into gear and they just go and they don't think mm. answer. You can't get them off of their pedestal. You can't get them off of whatever yeah. their agenda is. And that's why for me, like I love going on other people's shows and people are like, Oh, what do you want to talk about? Like, do you have anything to focus on? I'm like, well, honestly, like, let's just go with the flow. Like, this is your show, you know, your audience, let's bring the best value to them. Every one of my interviews is different. Of course, I believe the same things that I'm saying. So I'm, you know, I'm obviously gonna be like giving similar responses, but it's like whatever the flow is, is how it's gonna go. And that's how it is. And so what makes a bad guess is somebody that just, you know, can't get off of their own agenda and, you know, really try to just serve with value. That's my, mm. my philosophy. But, you know, back to what I was saying. So those 3,000 interviews that I've done, I've learned so many things that I was just like, it's time. Like it's time to write my first initially. Tell us three really cool things you've learned. Three things. Mm. So, number one, successful entrepreneurs are amazingly productive. And by productive, I mean they produce the right work. 
like people that are not successful, they're always busy and they think they're productive and they're like, oh my God, I had the busiest day ever today. But they're like, well, what'd you actually do? Well, I ran around and I did this and I was on my face and I was doing that. I can't give you anything tangible, but like a successful person, you're like, what'd you do? Well, I wrote 5,000 words, you know, for my, not, for my book that I'm, you know, releasing later this month, or I created three modules, you know, for my, you know, XYZ, this, you know, or they have like very specific things. So they are producing the right content every single day. Number two, they all had a big idea. And like, that's actually chapter one of my book because so many people are like way down the path, but you're like, well, what's your big idea? They're like, I don't really have one. I'm like, well, you're just kind of floating in space. Like you need an anchor. You need a North star. You need your big idea. And what is that? And so it's so critical that people really just take a step back and, and really are able to eloquently and intentionally think and talk about what their big idea is in this world. Like my big idea was like, I'm going to be the only and first, daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. Hal Elrod's big idea was, I'm going to teach people how to have a miracle morning and so on and so forth. And you know, the third thing <clears throat> is people understand, successful entrepreneurs understand how to generate traffic. Like They understand how to get listeners, fans, followers, how to create the right content that's going to generate those leads, that traffic. And most people, frankly, are speaking to an empty room. They're creating so much content. Some of it's great, but it's getting to nobody because they don't know how to get traffic to themselves, to the actual earbuds and earballs of other individuals. And those are just three things. Again, this book that I wrote is a 17-step roadmap. So it's, it's like the whole nine yards. But um, those are three of the big things that I've learned. Love it. Now, back earlier... You said when you started, you, you know, you were a, a terrible interviewer or words like that. I remember I went to interview a massive Mr. Olympian, Dorian Yates, and I went to his gym and there was noise everywhere. And he was so sort of strong and powerful. And I was just really nervous. And it's like, I just can't go and watch the YouTube interview of that. I was shit. I was shit. I was shit. I'm going to watch it after this. Though. No, don't watch it. Don't watch it. I was, my biggest thing was I was scared of the silence. So because of that, I wasn't letting him talk enough and I was jumping in too soon, maybe in some of his pauses when I thought he'd finished because I was scared of the silence. I actually love a good silence now, you know, on an interview. I'm friends with Grant Cardone. I've had him on a couple of times. I had the longest silence Grant Cardone has ever had in his life on my podcast. And it was a thing of beauty. And five years ago, I'd have just ah, threw it. So could you share with us, if you don't mind, a bit of humility, some of your mistakes in the early days, JLD? <sighs> Sticking too much to like my you know interview flow of questions, like not really listening to what my guest was actually saying, like asking them the question, them starting to give what a lot of times was a great eloquent answer. But in my mind, I'm just like, okay, okay, what's my next question? Okay, I need to do this. And then they might say a joke, which... I, is was funny and I, and I didn't even laugh at it because I wasn't even like like in like listening to them because I was so worried about the next topic. Yes. Um, or they've said something really meaningful in that little blurb that they were sharing, and I didn't even like double back on that. And so like I would just plow forward. I was kind of like this blind snowplow, just like going through a blizzard without even looking anywhere with blinders on. And then as I became a better podcast host, which thankfully happens when you do a daily show, like I quickly was 
recognizing like, okay, hey, relax. Like the next question is going to come. Like don't force it and you're going to be able to handle it. And you can go down a rabbit hole and you can extricate yourself from that. And like I was never willing to take risks and, chance, and chances at the beginning because I didn't think I could extricate myself from like a rabbit hole I might go down. I didn't know if I could ever turn it back um, and get it back on point. And now like I'm very comfortable doing that, but I didn't have the skills back then. So those are just things that I had to build up. And now like, you know, I take pride in being like, all right, Fire Nation, Rob's little blurb right there was really powerful, but there was specifically two things that I took out and I even took notes on um, that I really want to double back on and talk about right now, just to make sure that you really get it. And I get a lot of people emailing me and be like, John, you know, like I was running, I was listening to Rob and I knew he was, he was sharing some good stuff, but like your recap, recap mm -hmm. what he says, like that really drives home these points. So thank you for doing that. And that's when you know that like you're really serving your audience well. Yeah. Love it. Agree fully. So if you had any weird shit happen on your show, and I'm going to just preface this because this is so weird, JLD. We got Pablo Escobar's son on the podcast, but it turns out that he wasn't his son. He looked like a fraud and he sort of got exposed live on my show. It was really weird. And I never expose people. I'm not that one. I don't think you are either where we don't try and catch out our guests. We want to put a positive spin. But we had a live almost outing and he just sort of lost his shit with me. And then the next week we interviewed Pablo Escobar's real son. So that was the weirdest shit that's happened on my show. Have you had anything a bit weird? Uh, maybe not that weird, but uh, for the first 2000 episodes, I did have a question I asked on every interview, which was, what is your worst entrepreneurial moment? And listen, everybody's had a worst entrepreneurial moment. It's just, that means like, not the best. What's the worst? And it might not even be a terrible moment, but it's the worst moment still. And especially if you're a successful entrepreneur, like you've had usually some ups and some downs for sure. And I interviewed this hype, you know, hype, supposedly like, you know, multi-decade successful entrepreneur who was like such a quote unquote stud. And I asked him that question and he was just like, hmm. I don't have a worst moment. I just don't have a worst entrepreneurial moment. I'm like, oh, well, give me something when something maybe didn't go perfectly to plan or something. To He's like, no, it's never happens. I'm like, so you're telling me that <laughs> it's ever happened not to your exact design. And he said, yeah, basically. And I said, well, we're going to have to end this interview because you are <laughs> not my ideal guest. Wow, you so, just ended it. And ended it, end. hung up the phone, never aired the show because didn't fit uh, Well, JLD, you've got balls. I don't know if I dare do that. <laughs> I, I did have one lady who was a comedy coach and she was the most unfunny person I've ever met. And I kept asking her for some, you know, tactics. And she's like, well, you got to do my course or I'm not going to share that. Um, but I had to, I, I took the show all the way through to the end and then thanked her. And then didn't publish it. I didn't have the gumption to go, sorry, and mm -hmm. I respect you for that. Well done. Thank you. All right. So um, let's do a quick fire, JLD. Best advice you've ever had? Try not to become a person of success, but rather a person of value. Albert Einstein. Worst advice you've ever had? Fake it till you make it. Yeah, I prefer be it till you see it. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> um, if there was one guest on this planet, you would stop everything you're doing. You might even fly to the UK from Costa Rica to see who would it be? I 
don't really have a dream guest, if I'm being honest. I just really don't operate in that way. Um, but just in the essence of this question, I'd say it'd be cool to interview Barack Obama. Is there like someone who's not in the business or, or celebrity space who you're a massive fan of? I love Pantera. They're like my favorite metal band. And I would just love to interview the lead singer, even though it's nothing to do with my concept. Do you have anyone like that? Um, I guess it'd be cool to interview Paul McCartney because, um, yeah. you know, you've led quite an interesting life. Mm. Cool. Okay. So is there something, one thing that you think is really wrong in the world that you'd like to change? Education. I think education's really struggling right now. I mean, I get it. Like, you know, it's important for parents who, you know, both have jobs to, to essentially drop their kids off at a daycare, which is what, you know, the educational world has really turned into. Um, but, you know, we're failing our kids and uh, it's, it's really uh, having a massive impact um, in the world. Amen. <laughs> um, this podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. What does the word disruptive mean to you? Um, to go against the status quo. Boom. You know how to do the quick fire rounds. Take <laughs> your time, brother. <laughs> so um, I always end my show with the same quote, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. And uh, JLD, I know you like to end your show. So do you want to end my show with the way you end your show? <laughs> well, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And you've been hanging out with Rob and JLD today. So keep up that heat. Boom, it's been a pleasure, my friend. I've really enjoyed talking to you. It's amazing work you've done in the podcast world. It's amazing how you built a business around it. You know, you're not just a podcaster, but, you know, you've become a successful businessman and entrepreneur. Um, I've always loved your work. It was a privilege to be on your, your show. So thank you very much. Adios, brother.